1: Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. I'm John Hennigan in studio and we're going to have fun today. If there's anything you want to know about fly fishing, you better pay close attention. We're going to be talking to Jason Grupp, who is a guide. I think he just got back from taking a group of people to Belize. And then we have Bart Larmouth. Uh, Sales manager for Ross Reels, one of the larger high-end reel companies made in the United States, of course. We'll be talking a little bit about the equipment. And then we have Robert Holt, the uh, mountain man from Montana fishing guide. So pay attention to that. It'll be a lot of fun. And also, while I have the opportunity, I would like to mention for sure that you can go to our Facebook. We would appreciate if you did and, and share it. Uh, and then the uh, uh, web talk, <coughs> webtalkradio.net, you can listen to our show there, plus many, many other places online. But the best way to do it is go to our website, fishtalkradio.com. And on fishtalkradio.com, you can click on Real Fun Adventures. We've got a couple of trips coming up. The Alaska trip is coming up, uh, I think, the 18th of July. And we have one room left, so if anybody's interested in that, uh, we'd love to hear from you because it's a heck of a deal and a lot of fun. And then also we've got another trip coming up to uh, Baja in September. So go ahead and check those out. Go to the website. But main thing is pay close attention today because we're going to be covering uh, uh, fly fishing anywhere from someone that's thought about it and never done it and maybe some tips for people that are, uh, are already... Um, very good at it so it should be a lot of fun to talk about so make sure you stay tuned for that and then also remember that you can go back and listen to the show as many times as you want on fishtalkradio.com it'll be right on the front page okay we're going to be taking a short break and we're going to be back with you in just a few minutes so pay attention and you're on fish talk radio with john hennigan
0: on the magnificent Sea of Cortez. The Grand Heritage Resort and Spa at Marina Costa Baja is the first five-star resort in La Paz, Baja South. Overlooking a 250-slip marina and white sand beaches, enjoy two signature restaurants, a world-class destination for fishing or diving. Enjoy five-star elegance in the charming, laid-back city of La Paz. Dock your boat and enjoy the marina village. Visit on the web at costabajaresort.com.
1: Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio, and we have on the line with this, um, I guess you might call him a world uh, renowned fishing guide because you just took a group of people to Belize, right, Jason? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Jason Jason Grepp and you you do fishing adventures and it's uh breakwater tours, right? Correct. Okay, breakwater dot com if you're interested in, in a uh a, a a something to take scratch off your bucket list. And then Bob well, we're gonna yeah. be talking. Go ahead. <laughs>
5: Yeah, no, we're heading out to Belize. Um, Good time of year to do it. Bonefish permit and tarpon um, is going to be our main targets. But there's also snook in the mangroves and barracuda and all kinds of species. I think last year we had one day we caught 20 different species. Wow. So you never know what's going to be there. But this year I think I've really got my eye on a big tarpon.
1: Okay. Okay. Now, it sounds exotic and it sounds expensive, is it? It is definitely exotic. No, you know, yeah
5: it's definitely exotic, and it 's out there um several planes but it's it's not too bad um and One beautiful thing about Belize is they're English speaking there, so it's really nice to uh to not have the language barrier when you get there. The guides speak English, and that makes it really nice um but, you know, it's, it's not too bad uh, price wise. Um, whole trip, all said and done, is about three grand. Wow. And that's with, uh, that's with three days guided fishing. And, um, yeah, it's not too bad. That's your airfare and everything. So, wow. Belize is not too expensive.
1: No, I so. mean, you, you couldn't go to Alaska for that.
5: No, no, you can't. That's why, you know, the last few years on, on the trips we've done, we've really concentrated on some of these tropical places like down in Mexico and Belize and things like that because they are more affordable. It's not too bad.
1: Right. Well, wow. and that, not only that, is it, uh, you know, you've, you've got a, a much longer season.
5: Oh yeah. yeah, no we've we yeah we go year round there, yeah. We're just try and avoid the hurricanes if you can't yeah,
1: if you can yeah <laughs> but, but they're kind of fun too sometimes, but uh, <laughs> uh we're we're assuming that you're going to be doing some fly fishing on this trip,
5: yeah, I'll be primarily throwing flies um. I'm going to be armed with an 8-weight, a 9-weight, a 10-weight, and an 11-weight if we really get into the big tarpon. So Mm -hmm. we're talking some of these big tarpon can be 60 to 150 pounds, depending on who's there. Uh, A little later in the season really starts the uh, season for the big tarpon because the migratory tarpon move in. Mm -hmm. So you get both migratory tarpon that are only there for a few months, but then you have resident tarpon that stay there year-round. The residents are usually somewhere between, you know, 30 to 70 pounds where the migratories can push up to 150 pounds.
1: Now, when, so. you're, when you're down there, are you fishing only from a boat or can you fish from shore and a boat? Uh, what, what techniques do you normally use?
5: Well, we uh, we we mix it up because we take a couple of free days too, where you can take a kayak or a canoe out. Uh, There's some lagoons behind the resort that we fish. You just got to watch out for the crocodiles. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That makes it exciting. But no, most of the fishing is done from a center console flats boat. So you've got a big deck in the front uh, that you can stand up and really nice casting platform. And you know some of these casts need to be you know seventy, eighty, ninety feet for the permit. But for the bonefish, you know, you only really need a 20-, 30-, 40-foot cast. So that nice platform from the front makes it just easy and and, and to be able to really access any distance you need. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, give us uh, some information. We're going to be talking to uh, Bart Larmouth from Sales Manager from Ross Reels. But give us an idea about the equipment that you would use, uh, the different equipment that you would use for the bigger and the smaller.
5: Yeah, that's a great question, and, and I've, I've helped a lot of people over the years with that because, you know, it really helps with fly fishing to dial in the, the, the correct weight rod. So let's say for the bonefish and some of the smaller species, um, you're, you're looking at more like an 8-weight, 9-weight, something like that. When you start getting into the permit range, you want to get into that 9- to 10-weight. Um, last year I got onto a school of about 50 big 20-pound permits, and I, I blew up two nine-weight rods with oh, no. those guys. Just, no,
1: and, and they, they are yeah, warranted, right? What's that? But they are warranted, right?
5: It, it, yeah, it just. Oh yeah, no, I send them in, and they they send me new ones. Thank God. But. um I was a little bit undergunned for these big permit I didn't expect them to be that big so I ended up having to go to my uh, 11 weight tarpon rod to handle them and that I was able to do mm-hmm. but I did blow up two 9 weights in the meantime so this this year I'm, I'm armed a little better with a, a couple of 10 weights as well uh, for those uh, bigger permits so Jason, it didn't really help when, when you're this. talking exactly. about the weight
1: you know, the, the, the rod is, basically is, is, uh, is what you're talking about you know, it'll go from like a, a 1 to about 15 something like that now, how, yeah,
5: exactly. So there's a
1: what, what is yeah, there's that? What a weighting yeah. system. Okay, what is that system?
5: So when, when you think about like one through five weight or your light weight freshwater rod, the three weight being for like spring creek trout fishing, small water, when you get up into like the four or five weight, the five weight's kind of your average good freshwater, nice trout rod. You can fish bass with it. When you get into the heavier like largemouth bass fishing where there's, the flies are getting bigger, then you start creeping into that six, seven, eight weight range. So one through five light freshwater, five through eight is heavy freshwater, and eight through 15 are basically your saltwater rods. So let's say we're on the California surf. That would take like an eight or a nine weight rod. When I go to Belize, I'm doing an eight, nine, ten, and eleven because then you're really dialing in for the size of the fish because there's just such a variety of sizes. Sometimes you're catching a one- or two-pound fish. Sometimes you're catching a 150-pound fish. So you have to be geared, you know, to be uh, versatile to handle those different species. So, yeah, it's basically a system from 1 through 15. And as you get further into the sport of fly fishing, you start buying all the different weights so Mm -hmm. you really, you know, can dial yourself in. So let's say I'm going to the eastern Sierra in California to fish trout, I'll bring a 3, a 4, a 5, and a 6. The 3 and 4 being those real small spring creek situations, the 5 weight being the heavier rivers, and the 5 and 6 weight would be like lake fishing or if it gets really windy. So you can really dial it in to just be a a more successful fisherman.
1: Now, do you need different rods for the different weights? I mean, excuse me, different reels for the different weights, or can you use pretty much the same freshwater or saltwater reel?
5: No, you dial that into. So um, yeah, if you have a five weight rod, you usually have a reel that is designed to pair up with a five weight line and five weight rod. So they work work together. Um, the eleven weight reels for my tarpon reels yeah. are huge. Yeah. You know, um, the line is thicker. You have more backing, so that the fish can run longer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, you, you you dial in the reels too. But sometimes like a a a five they'll they'll make reels that can double for a five six or seven weight rod something like that it might cover three different weights right something like that so and
1: then of course you know the the line that you put on it um well let's talk about the line real quickly is uh you know what what type of line because you know you've got the the taper double taper the floating the sinking uh depending on what type of fishing you're going to be doing
5: yeah they do um they make lines specific to the species. So on the different, let's just go back to my Belize gear, but I'll have, you know, probably six or seven different fly reels that I bring with. And the reason for that is I have different lines on those. So I'll have bones, bonefish specific lines. I'll have permit specific lines and definitely have tarpon specific lines. And, the way they design these lines is to optimize your casting power with the specific fly pattern that you're using. So it helps you really be able to turn over those different flies right. to handle windier situations. Um, so
1: when you're when you're there, you don't have to re-spool. You just grab a different uh, different reel and put it on and keep
5: going. Right, okay.
1: correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to be coming up to a break here pretty quick, and uh, we're going to hopefully keep you on. And we're going to be talking to Bart from uh, Ross Reels, and maybe we'll get into a little bit more about the reels and, uh, you know, about some of the lines and some of the technical things. And, you know, but uh, I guess some um, uh, have uh, drag systems and some don't. But if you're looking for the big ones, you probably have to have a drag where you put it right on the reel. But we're going to be back with you just in a couple minutes. You are listening to Fish Talk Radio. Jason, be sure and stick around. We appreciate that very much.
8: Day. Oh, what do you let
1: 's go what a wonderful way welcome back to it's fish talk fish. radio. this is John Hennigan. We have Jason Grupp on the line with us a world traveling angler uh, fishing guide, and among other talents that he 's got but we're just got uh, the last segment so Jason we were talking about. Um, the lines and, and the reels and the uh, different equipment that you use for different fish. Now, I don't even know, I have no idea, and I don't know if anybody really knows how that system of a one-weight or a ten-weight, does it actually mean anything? Or is it just a designation for, um, you know, the the um the, the heavy
5: yeah basically you know. in in a nutshell it, it really comes down to the width and how the the rod is built so you know they when you design a fly rod there's a butt section a mid section and a tip section so they really are able to dial in where the power comes from to be able to carry those and, you know different size lines and things like that. Now Orvis does a really neat thing with their rods that I'm a huge fan of. Is they offer a mid flex, a full flex, and a tip flex. The full flex being a really soft rod for you know really delicate situations. It's really slow. Mid flex is obviously right in the middle, and a tip flex is for windier type situations where you need more power, more distance, things like. That. So they've. They've done a great job being able to dial in. So when you order a rod, let's say you want to get an eight weight for bass fishing, but you want it for windier type situation and big flies, you definitely go with the tip flex. So that flex index that they offer, um, is great. And, and really they're, they're one of the only companies that's really dialed that in and, and offered so many different rods, um, to be able to dial in your situation. It's, it's one thing that I've become a big fan of Orvis, um, as I've been with them as an endorsed guide for a long time. They do a they do a great job with that.
1: Well, they make a good reel too, don't they?
5: Yeah, they've got a they've got a, a reel lineup. Um, you know, to basically cover all the different situations. Their CFO for uh, uh, trout fishing is really cool. That's a nice reel, but. Um, And they've got this Mirage uh, reel that's just fantastic, and they've sealed the drag system, so it it really handles the saltwater elements better than some of the other ones that aren't sealed drag systems. And um, my bag for Belize next week's loaded with them, so ready to go. uh,
1: Jason, I have a question for you that I don't quite understand. When you're fishing with a fly rod, you... Don't have a whole lot of uh, leverage because of the length of the rod and the flex of the rod. But when you get a tarpon on, um, how do you how do you pull that thing in?
5: Well. <laughs> that's uh, one of the big challenging situations. Um, now the hook set is a very important thing especially with tarpon fishing. Normal hook set in fishing like with say just guys using spinning gear, bait casting gear, you you drive the rod tip straight up into the air and pull back in that direction. With a, a tarpon on a fly rod, you do a strip set. So basically oh. you don't lift the rod into the air. You point it at pu- it. Mm. You You keep the rod pointed right at the fish, hang on to the line, and pull back, and it's a strip set. So it's a whole different way to set the hook. Um, The easiest way to lose a tarpon or a permit is to lift that rod tip. And that the fly comes right out of their mouth, so you got to oh. pull back. And if you screw that up, you'll you'll never hear a Belize guide so mad. He's yelling at <laughs> the back of the boat. Yeah, uh, he just—they call it over there—they call it a trout set. Yeah, and it just drives them crazy. And anybody who's fished over there, I'm sure, has been yelled at a couple of different times because mm-hmm. we're all in the habit of lifting that rod tip, right? And you got to keep it down.
1: Well, do you? So, you know, normally, if you're on a, a good-sized fish, you know, the idea is you're fishing for using the drag and you uh, pull up and wind down. But with a fly rod, you can't really do that, can you?
5: Oh yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, they're, they make them strong enough. Um, most rods are, are nine feet. That's the average fly rod. But once you have the tarpon on there and you've got the hook set by a strip set, you can you can slowly raise the rod up and 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 hold them that way and fight them that way. So it's it's basically the same. And you'd be surprised how strong they make those fly rods. But that was one reason why I blew up two nine weights last year on on twenty pound permit. So
1: okay. Well, yeah, that I, that's that's easy to understand. But uh yep. The now let's if if there's uh if there's a a, a tip for for trout for bass and for saltwater. If you could just say one thing that you want people to remember. Do you have any idea what that might be? I know I caught you oh off guard boy. Here. Yeah, it's a tough <laughs> question. No,
8: that's
5: okay. Um one tip would this be uh, pertaining to beginners?
1: Oh yeah, well, it, yeah,
5: yeah. For beginners, I'd say make sure you get a good lesson. Um, you know, starting off in fly fishing, it's not impossible, but it is challenging. And a, somebody who really knows what they're doing can just in one day give you years of experience. So, if you do decide you're going to get into the sport, find somebody who really knows what they're doing. get in well with them, Buy them a few beers and uh, uh, there you go and, and learn from the best and listen because there's a reason that fishing guides are are doing what they're doing okay so uh,
1: okay well jason we, just- we we did get Bart on the line uh, from Ross Reels, and I know you know about them i don't know if he knows about you, but let's talk a little bit about Ross Reels because we have Bart Larmouth who's the sales manager for Ross Reels. And we'd like to find out a little bit about what they do and how they do it. Uh, welcome to Fish Talk Radio, Bart.
9: Oh, thanks for having me, John. Really, it's a pleasure to be here. Sorry, I'm a little bit tardy.
1: Oh, not a problem. But uh, we'll just keep you on during the next segment then. But uh, we're talking to Jason Grupp, who is, as we said, a, a world traveling. Uh, Fly fishing guide, and he was talking about Belize, and he's just talking now about giving some tips on, on fly fishing, and he was talking about the rods themselves and the line, but let's talk a little bit about the reels, if you don't mind.
9: Oh, yeah, no, no no, problem at all. I know okay. he's uh, very well-versed in a lot of these uh, bigger game reels that people are using in Belize, chasing down bonefish, tarpon, all that other fun thing, fun stuff down there. Uh, we manufacture a full line of reels. Our big tagline is made on the water. And saltwater is one of our big markets. We love it. Well, we have lots of fish caught on several of our models. One of the uh, momentum LTs caught a lot of GTs, actually. And one of the big things about them is just drag strength and also... Uh, the ability to pick up line in, this, in a fast manner. That's what we call our large arbor design. A lot of folks are using it now. It allows you to pick up a lot of line all at once, uh, which is important. You know, unlike
1: so conventional when you say l- large arbor, do you mean the size of the reel itself?
9: Correct. It's not necessarily the, the size of the reel itself, but as much as the way the line wraps around the spool itself.
1: Oh, um,
9: so your yeah, traditional cool. traditional fly rolls are very small. and you know, They started about an inch, you know, and right in the middle. Imagine just like a little dowel. Right. That's the line would go around. Whereas the larger arbor, now we've increased the sides away from the middle of the spindle. So each time you reel that, uh, you crank that handle, you're picking up more and more line. The big difference between conventional reels and fly fishing reels is uh, basically, you know, gear ratio. All the conventional guys really know, you want to know how how much line you're picking up per crank. In fly fishing, it's direct drive. There are no, there isn't an reverse. There are no mm-hmm. multipliers. You pull up one crank of the reel, you're picking up however much line, or however big that spool is, that arbor is. That's how much line you're picking up. And so it's important to be able to get as many as you po- as many inches as you can, you know, per revolution.
1: Yeah, especially if it's coming at you, huh?
9: Yeah, exactly. When you beat me to that one, that's yeah. one of the most important parts of it. Whether it's spinning right at you, you want to pick that up in a hurry.
1: Okay, well, uh, Jason obviously is uh, very knowledgeable, but I, he might even have a couple of questions for you uh, sure. about reels, and if you, if you, maybe about how they're manufactured, or any, something that has to do with the, the mechanics of it.
8: I'd
5: love to hear about your drag systems. Do you guys seal your drag systems for saltwater?
9: We do both. We actually have, um, and what Jay's what talking about, um, John, is the... You know, drag systems uh, can be made completely impervious to the elements, so no salt can get in there. Um, we make a lot of our reels in a manner that they don't actually need to uh, lubricate. They're actually all self lubricating based on the uh, materials made inside. So the Momentum LT I was just speaking of is, it's a, what I call a semi sealed system, Jason. So basically, uh, you're not going to get any particulates in there. Your dirt, your sand is completely sealed from that standpoint. But yeah, you know, in small amounts, water can get in there. But since it is an actual uh, self lubricating system, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't need to worry about grease. You don't need to worry about that. You just need to be worried about rinsing it out after the fact. Like anybody knows that fish is in the salt. We do, however, make our F1, which is a fully sealed system, has about eight O rings in there to keep absolutely everything under the sun out of it, including the water. And that makes it that makes a big deal. Um, the biggest thing, of course, is just maintenance. You know, anybody who's fishing and salt yeah, knows we- that's the story.
5: That was going to be one of my next questions. Um, You know, I've heard a lot of different tricks of how to clean a fly reel when you get done with saltwater fishing. Do you have a a number one way that you like to to clean it? You know, some guys say they like to dip it in buckets of water and shake it around. Other guys blast it with a hose, which I know (laughs) can be harmful to it. Um, Do you have a way that that you like uh, to
9: clean those reels? Yes, sir. Actually, I have two ways that I like to clean the reels. One, if you're on a multi-day trip, you know, and you don't have a lot of time, you're, you're in that dark, you want to you get to dinner, honestly, I'll just take them in the shower with me. Yeah, <laughs> Just bring them on in, yeah. you know, take them apart, rinse them off, that's great. For good thorough cleaning, you want a nice bucket of just warm water, you know, you can add a little dish soap, never hurts either if you want to go that route, but just typically just clean, nice clean water, put them in there, take, them, take the spool off the frame, you put both of them face down in the water, shake them around a little bit and let them soak. And the most important part okay. that a lot of people seem to forget is you let it air dry. If you wipe it down, a lot of times you're going to allow, um, it's going to dry a little faster than it should and won't let some of the, the particulates, in the, or sorry, but the salt and everything seep out of it. So definitely let it, always yeah. let it air dry. Go
5: ahead. Oh, okay. Good tips, good tips. I've never thought okay. about taking in in the shower. That, that sounds fun. I sleep with my <laughs> <Okay>. reels. <before laughs> oh, uh, guys, uh, huh?
1: Bart, since you did get uh, started a little bit late in that segment, would you mind hanging around for a little bit for the for the next one? I would love to. Because we have Robert Holt coming up. He's from uh, Montana Fly Fishing, so we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. And uh, Jason has to take off, and that is BreakWaterTours.com. So we appreciate that, Jason, very much, and we're going to be talking to you real soon. Thanks for coming in, and, and enjoy, the, enjoy your trip. And Bart, uh, Robert, you hang in there, and Bart, hang in there. We'll be right back.
7: It's a beautiful day Oh,
1: what do you say? Let's go fishing
7: What a wonderful way To spend the day just a fishing Oh, the water on the lake Is smooth as glass now We might catch a sunny We might catch a bass Oh, what do you say?
3: Let's go fishing I went down to the fishing hole and I sat down with my fishing pole. Some grabbed my hook and they got my bait and they jerked me out in the middle of the lake.
1: Welcome back to Fish, <coughs> Fish Talk Radio. We are have. Uh, a couple of experts on the line, first of all, we have still have Bart uh, uh, Lemath, for, sales manager for Ross Reels, one of the top american made uh, reels and they we were just talking about to Jason about they also make a line of saltwater reels, and we also have on the line with this Robert Holt a.k.a. the Mountain Man from Shark, uh, <laughs> Shark Montana, Fly Fishing Extreme. And he's a, a, a guide and he operates a lodge in Montana. So we're going to move from Belize all the way up to Montana. Uh, welcome, Robert.
8: Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, John.
1: Okay. Well, let's go ahead and just kind of jump into, and you may even have some questions for Bart about some of the reels that they make and why, but we've, what we're doing is kind of giving some ideas, not necessarily the technique of fly fishing, but about the equipment, and if, you know, whether you're an expert or you've never tried it before, we're going to try and give everybody some information they can use. Right, okay. So uh, let's start with one of the things that we're interested in, if you are not an angler, when you see a river runs through it and they're throwing a dry fly, you know, 100 feet and that nothing touches the water first except the fly, it might uh, might seem intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. That's the only not the only type of fly fishing. Would you kind of comment on that?
8: Yeah, exactly. I mean, anyone who, you know, has a passion for angling, I think, should, you know, the reason I jumped into fly fishing is just simply because it was more challenging. And not only that, you learn more about the anatomology of the rivers. You know, it's not like chucking a nightcrawler you know, in a lake it's pretty much done. You know, and you start to learn what fish eat. But, you know, back to that, I mean, anyone can do it. I mean, you know, it's like anything else that anyone tries to do is you gotta practice. You know, I mean you gotta get out, you gotta practice. The other key part would be to find someone um, you know, who has experience, who's willing to take you out. And I've found that most people that have been fly fishing for 25 or 30 years, they become teachers. You know, they're more, you're more excited to get someone else going on it, you know, than actually angling themselves. So I think if someone puts, you know, some serious thought and interest into it, they're not going to have any problems finding someone to take them fishing like myself or most of my friends or outfitters and guides or, you know, family members or what have you. But no, it's, it's not that strategic. The best thing is, is to get advice from someone who knows what they're doing. So you don't pick up a bunch of bad habits on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, and now with the Internet here, I mean, 25, 30 years ago when I started, you know, there was nothing like that. You know, I think the first movies I watched was Scientific Anglers, Gary Borger and, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of the other guys around here. But with YouTube and the Internet, I mean, there's no reason why, you know, anyone can't jump online, get a pretty good idea. And then, like I said, hook up with the casting club. You know, I know there's some in Los, the Los Angeles area. I mean, they're all over. I mean, if someone has an interest, you can seek uh, it out.
1: Robert, it. when uh, Jason was on the line, I said, give us give us everybody one tip. If you can think of one tip that you can give to somebody that, uh, that's interested in fly fishing. And his answer was, spend the first day with a guide. You learn more in one day than you would learn in a year on your own.
8: Yeah, I mean I I agree. I you know I agree with that as well. The you know the only thing about that is is sometimes people get pretty intimidated, you know, when they're around someone else's you know, I mean that's that's a great that's a great idea. The other thing would be to find a friend that, you mm-hmm. know, has gotten into it, is a pretty good fisherman so they feel more comfortable. You know, when people don't know what, exactly what they're doing, you know, they tend to hold back a little bit if they don't yeah. know somebody or someone else is right. really really better than them. Yeah. So sometimes it's almost maybe a little bit, you know, go have a beer with your buddy who's been doing it for 4 or 5 years, he's got it down pretty good, you know, and then get out and do it and then, you know, practice, you know, you got to practice I mean, that's the whole Well, thing. Let,
1: me, let me ask you a question, Robert. If I go fly fishing with you, and on my first cast, the fly ends up in the tree, are you going to yell at me?
8: No, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm going to go over to the tree and retrieve it so I don't have to string you back up again. <laughs> 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 absolutely not. Usually yeah. what I do is feel out the angler when they show up here at the lodge, you know, figure out what I'm dealing with, and then go over some casting methods with them. And a lot of people aren't used to fishing from a drift boat, so it's not like the river runs through it where you got to whack it out there 75 yards over the top of the water to catch a nice fish. You know, most of the casting is 25 to 35 feet. You know, it's pretty – a lot less, uh, you know, intense than what people were watching. So, mm-hmm. And then, you know, not only that, fishing out of a boat, you're, you're going to cover a lot more water right. than when you're wade fishing. So mm-hmm. those are some of the advantages.
1: Well, let's talk again. Let's go back to uh, Bart and talk about the reels. Uh, okay. Now, how many reels? Well, let's, let's, let's say the difference. Let's start with, uh, Bart, the difference between a saltwater and a freshwater. Now, do freshwater reels normally have a drag?
9: Yes, they do. Uh, They originally started off with what was called a click and paw style drag, which was just a a tooth and a gear and a spring. And you had one set tension throughout the whole thing. And in some ways, that's really all you need for fresh water. Um, But, you know, as people are starting to use lighter and lighter tippet or the the end of their line, you know, they want to and are fighting bigger and bigger fish, then you want to have a drag system because you're actually fighting the fish on the reel. And those drag systems honestly aren't that different than the saltwater types. It just ends up being more of a sizing up of those drags to give you the more, the larger pressure you need in salt. So imagine they're just kind of miniature versions of the saltwater reels in a lot of cases. Uh, the most, one of the most important aspects to look at, you know, with a drag system is the inertial startup or how much pressure it is before that drag engages. Cause like I was saying, we don't have anti-reverse like a conventional fisherman, you know, where if you're cranking, the line can still no. go out if you've got your hand on that reel, you know, when that fish takes off, it's going to bust your line. So you want it nice and smooth so when the fish does pull that line, that drag engages instantaneously and then you have no real chance for that line to break.
1: Right. So you can just, the flex and the rod and the drag system will fight the fish for you. All you have to do is to just keep the tip up.
9: Bingo. Exactly mm-hmm. right. And that is one of the important facts. <laughs> one of the important right. things to do as
1: well. Well, what, one of the things I'd like to ask now, Fishing equipment um, can vary from you know some very very cheap um, equipment that really doesn't work to, you know to some moderately priced equipment and then you've got the higher priced equipment and then of course you've got the collector's type of stuff but um, it doesn't make any difference if you're buying a tool for uh, for a mechanic a carpenter but if you if you buy a tool it'll last forever and if it doesn't do the job you bought it for then it's not worth anything. So can you kind of comment on that and you know where, what are you looking for when you're buying a fly reel?
9: You know that's a, that's an excellent question a great analogy too. You know if it's something that's not going to work for you you've just wasted your money. With with uh, you know fly reels it's especially, you know, we're talking about beginners getting into it. You know, it's what makes sense for you pricing-wise, and do you want to buy something you're going to grow out of or something you're going to grow into? Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of pride ourselves at Ross as being kind of the blue-collar real maker in the country. Um, you know, we make all the you know, American-made product right here in Colorado that's, you know, a little bit more on that higher end in some ways uh, that's not collectible, but still, you know, we start at that $150 range. But it's also a reel that you're going to be able to give to your grandkids.
1: One hundred and fifty dollars is not is not a lot of money for a quality reel.
9: No, and that, that's that's the start of it. Obviously, it goes up from there. But you yeah. know, when people think entry level, a lot of times that mm-hmm. seems to be a higher end. But I, it comes down to just are you, you know, are you going to have, is this something you're going to want to be able to use in five years, or allow your kid to use in five years, or is it something you're just going to use to get to the point? Okay, now I need to make the investment and get the uh, higher mm-hmm. end equipment.
1: Okay, and some of the advantages or disadvantages in buying a less expensive?
9: Basically just quality is what it comes down to. We have um, the... You'll end up with, you know, a drag system that might not be as smooth as you want or uh, mm-hmm. might fail, something that might not be sealed up well, and so dirt and grime can get in there. So it requires a little bit more maintenance, mm-hmm. and it'll just be ease of use. You know, it's just, you know, American quality just can't be beat, you know, yeah. especially when it comes to well, Well, it's, <laughs> it it's,
1: it's very encouraging to know that, uh, that there, there is still, because most of the people that do the volume that you do, uh, you know, make it overseas
9: exactly and and the you know there's one other aspect I did skip over is a lot of times your inexpensive reels tend to be cast aluminum versus machined aluminum mm-hmm. and so you're looking at a durability standpoint there as well you know a cast reel if you drop it can crack or can you know if it bends you're not going to bend it back, mm-hmm. whereas a machined aluminum reel It won't shouldn't bend in the first place, but Mm -hmm. if it does, there's actually some repair options uh, there to take care of it as well.
1: Robert, do you want to jump in on this conversation and and, uh, kind of elaborate a little bit on on the what type of reels you use and and the difference between a Kmart reel and a and a real one.
8: Well, I mean, it's just like you said, I mean, you get, you know, it, it's like you said as well, it kind of comes down to you get what you pay for. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, obviously if you go to Walmart and buy yourself a, you know, a plastic reel and you go out there, you know, with a seven foot rod and try and catch it, I don't think your experience is going to be anywhere near you know, what you're going to have if you buy some intermediate, you know, uh, like he was saying, you know, you're either going to grow out of it or grow into it. Um, Personally, I mean, you can get set up with the fly rod and reel for probably less than 300 bucks, you know, something that people could use and then not be afraid to break. You know, the thing of it is too, is that with anything, you got to learn, you know, how to use equipment before you can realize what's wrong with it and what makes other things different. You know what I mean? Like, let's say I go out and buy a certain fly rod that's real, you know, inexpensive, and I've never casted before. And I start casting it, and then I'm 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 getting to where you know I feel pretty comfortable. Right. And then one of my friends has you know a much more expensive rod.
1: Robert, looks like we're up against uh, the end of the segment. Okay. Uh, Let's get some information real quickly from you and Ross. Uh, Your your website is.
8: Mine is uh, flyfishingextreme.com.
1: That's easy, flyfishingextreme.com. And then, Ross, you're easy to find because if you can spell (laughs) R-O-S-S, you pretty much got it, right?
9: That's it, R-O-S-S, and then reels.com, nice and simple.
1: Right, rossreels.com, and uh, great stuff, American Made. So go to their website, check it out, and uh, see if we can get you fixed up, and then Robert will show you how to use it. You are listening to Fish Talk Radio, and we really appreciate you tuning in.
8: He's a great American fisherman, fish
3: anywhere. Welcome back anywhere to Fish
1: Talk one. Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio, and we're having a lot of fun talking about fly fishing. We have Robert Holt from, uh, now what is the website again, uh, Robert?
8: Uh, flyfishingextreme.com.
1: Flyfishingextreme.com, and that's not too difficult. And then we... We also have an even easier website for you, and uh, this is uh, with uh, Bart from the sales manager from Ross Reels, and that website is Ross, R-O-S-S, com. Can't beat that. But and, and just give us a little quick idea. Um, I'm kind of curious about your operation. Uh, apparently, this is not just a, you know, a, a craft, uh, handcrafted, uh, in-the-garage type of an operation. They are American-made, but uh, you've got, from what I understand, quite an operation there.
9: That is correct. I mean, in a nutshell, we have over a 20,000-square-foot uh, manufacturing facility, all computer-controlled anymore. There still is a lot of handwork, but... We do our tolerances are down to ten thousandths of an inch, so ten, a tenth of the thickness of a human hair, and we are really specific in what we do. And start from one little piece of solid aluminum and cut that all away until we've got a reel, basically.
1: Wow! So you just you start with a block of aluminum, and then it, uh, the NCR machines just uh, cut it out, and you end up and put some moving parts in it, and that that's it, huh?
9: Exactly right. That adds to strength and stability. Well, see,
1: making it one piece, obviously, it has to make it stronger.
9: Yes, sir. Exactly right. And that's exactly the point. Mm
1: -hmm. And the, uh, well, maybe uh, uh, Robert has some questions for you.
8: Uh, Not really. I mean, uh, he seems to know what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, like he's saying, I think the thing I could add is that, You know, have you ever heard the thing, the uh, saying "Kiss"? You know, keep it simple, simple. stupid, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what they do with their reels. And you know, the less uh, components you have, the less you have for problems. You know, uh, they're really good reel. I use them. Uh, I know a lot of my friends do. And and uh, like I said, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Buy Ross reels.
1: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) go. That's simple.
9: Yeah and, that's, yeah, and that's a good point of it. He's exactly right, right that, you know, the, the simpler it is, the better it works, but you also want to make sure it's something that's durable, and that's uh-huh. why they're it, we've been in business for 40 years.
1: Wow. Well, I know that after the, um, when the you know Cold War ended and the uh, defense contractors, a lot of people, machine shops, that were looking for things to do started building, um, you know, using the equipment they had to start building fishing reels, but you started long before that.
5: Uh, yeah, oh,
9: definitely. And they actually started in your neck, it was down in uh, Southern California, mm-hmm. and then shortly moved up here to Colorado. Yeah. Uh, where Ross Halk was the founder, and he was one of the, the first people to actually use you know, CNC, hot computer-controlled machines, to manufacture fly reels mm-hmm. to get these great tolerances. And that tradition just kind of okay. carried on throughout the years.
1: And then, uh, while we do have uh, Robert on the line. Give us an idea where you are located.
8: I'm loaded, uh, located in uh, southwest Montana. Just south of Butte, uh, a little bit south of Bozeman as well, uh, right by the Beaverhead River, the Madison, yeah, uh, the if, Ruby.
1: If somebody yeah. wants to go up there this year, what's what's the season around it?
8: Well, the the official season opens the third week of May and runs all the way into you know late October thirty first. Okay. I mean, uh, and you can fly into any of those destinations, or Bozeman, from LAX or Burbank. Okay, it's a real simple
1: trip. So give them a call and get up there because uh, you know I imagine that you know you're with you as is a guide and your operation, I'm sure you can give our listeners some pretty good pricing.
8: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure having both you guys on. And obviously, Bart, I appreciate you hanging in there a little bit longer than you're supposed to. And I'm sure we're going to be get together soon. And also, we want to talk about you know, coming up about your idea of getting more women involved in the sport of fly fishing. So we'll be talking to you in the next month or so about that. We appreciate you guys hanging in there. And you're listening to Fish Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com. You guys can tune in and listen to yourselves. So... FishTalkRadio.com, and right on the front page is will be the current shows. Appreciate everybody tuning in, and we'll uh, talk to you again next week.
2: <laughs> you
5: gone fishing.